This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. It's the podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. Let's bring up the energy level in here. Yeah, I've been talking a lot this weekend. I started <laughs> using my voice and that's what came out. Yeah, but no, sometimes we can't control the way our voices sound. Like case in point, the way that my voice has sounded for my entire life. <laughs> This I is, was going to say a thing about how, like, you know, I'm moving yeah. imminently and I'm thinking about paint. And, you know, who else is thinking about paint is the seven Philadelphia 76ers. Taking it to the paint. They're taking it to the paint. They sports, rid us of this man. Sports chat. We got rid of a bad basketball man. Now we have a good basketball man. And I guess the team is doing pretty good. I That's, just. This concludes sports chat. Could not wish. A man to feel better outside of Philly than I do right now because I feel good that he's gone. I hope he feels good that he's gone. Unlike Ben Simmons, I am staying in Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I'm moving, it's just to a different place. We just need a place to put our feelings. And Mm -hmm. it turned out that a lot of us put it into Ben Simmons. And then he said, I don't want to play. Let's just put it this way. Let's just put it this way. I'm good enough at what I do oh, that boy. nobody wants me to move out of the city of Philadelphia. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Those guys on that Overdue podcast got to go. They keep dropping the ball. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of dropping the ball, uh, every week we read books, actually. Yeah. After you know, we update everybody on how Philadelphia sports teams are doing. Yep. Every week, one of us reads a book that we've never read before. We tell you about it. We tell each other about it, and we all have a good time. It's all about the friends we made along the way. Craig, what book did you read this week for our book podcast? I read "The Widows of Malabar Hill" by Sujata Massey. Good job. Yeah. Good I read, read it. That's it. Yep. <laughs> so it's a mystery. It, I'm given to understand. It is. I uh, when I mentioned I was reading it for the show, uh, Laura was excited. She had read it for her book club. Um, you had suggested you might have some Laura thoughts to bring to this one. I don't know if you wrote any of those down, or if you just have some things you want to kind of paraphrase as we as we go, or what, how you want to handle that. I checked in with her before uh, I finished, as I was close to finishing and the book and uh i was like what did your book club think about it and she was like i don't really remember i think i liked it more than other people and uh, i think she just like kind of dug it i think there is a, a straightforwardness to this book that i say without judgment it is a mis- it's a mystery it is also some characters who are like pretty earnest about what they care about, and those values wind up being reflected in the world. And I think 
there is a version of a mystery novel that is way more cynical, um, where everyone is depraved. <laughs> uh, and Laura likes both of those types of mysteries, so I'm not, sure. I'm not saying anything about her taste uh, explicitly, but just she dug it. This is also, I, I, I'm vamping here a little bit because I was double checking that this is a Patreon recommendation from Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Um, who just said it was a good historical mystery that we might enjoy. Sure. I um, do. I envy Laura her ability to just like to be asked what she thought of a book and to just be able to be like, oh, I liked it. Yeah. She didn't have to talk for an just hour into a microphone about like 57 minutes after that. Uh, so, Sujana Massey, I got some stuff on her. Yeah, She's please. born in. I'm getting. <laughs> an expose about Sujata Massey. First thing you need to know about her, born in 1964. She's an American novelist, but she (laughs) was born in England to an Indian father and German mother, and uh, the whole family moved to the U.S. when she was five years old. She grew up mostly in Minnesota, uh, studied at Johns Hopkins, and then later worked at the Baltimore Evening Sun in the 80s and early 90s, and Mm. she still lives in Baltimore to this day. Represent. Uh, from her website, uh, quote, her novels have won the Ag- Agatha Lefty and McCavity Awards and have been finalists for the Edgar Anthony and Mary Higgins Clark Prizes. Sujata writes mystery and suspense fiction set in pre-independence India as well as a modern mystery series set in Japan. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, she's got two big series. Uh, the first uh, springboards off of her debut novel, The Salaryman's Wife, which came out in 1997. Um, this was the first in what so far has been an 11 book series, uh, called the Ray Shimura series. Yeah. Uh, these were mostly published between 1997 and 2008. Then she takes a break and then another book, the Kizuna coast comes out in 2014. And so far that's been the last of, of those. I'm not sure whether she's like done, done, or if she just kind of moved on. The okay. series that she's doing right now is the one that Malabar Hills part of, uh, the Pervine mystery investigations series. Yeah. Uh, which in addition to Malabar Hill, which came out in 2018 includes, uh, the Satipur Moonstone 2019 and the Bombay Prince 2021. And then the, the character, the character's name is Pervine Mystery, yes? Yes. Yes, okay. Are you uh, this, are you just, like, you narrowing your eyes at the last name to make sure? I'm just, like, there are a couple of, there are several things in this book title that I have had to take, like, a special care not to mispronounce because I don't want to call it the windows of Malamar Hill. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> As part of the Pervian Ministry investigation series, <laughs> which is what my brain constantly keeps trying to do. Well, I was... uh, but this this character Pervian Mystery was introduced a few years before Malabar Hill in a 2015 short story. Oh, I didn't know that. that okay, she did so. Yeah, I I was wondering if you'd picked up of the um the homophone of Pervian's last name. Uh, no, it's Mystery. Mystery, mystery. That's, that's funny. That's funny. I don't know. I have to assume that's on purpose. That's funny. They're pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> She's a member of the mystery family. The thing you need to know about Pervine Mystery is that she is based on a real person. This is, I heard that. Uh, uh, Massey talking to the Seattle Times shortly after this book came out. Um, she uh, has her roots in an actual person, Cornelia uh, Sorabji. Uh, who was born in 1866, died in 1954. She studied law at the University of Oxford and became India's first female attorney. 
Mm. Uh, this is also from that article. On initial glance, Praveen seems to have a remarkably charmed life for a woman in the 1920s working in her father's law offices as his trusted associate. But Massey points out, quote, she's powerless to find a job that is not with a family member because people didn't want to hire women lawyers. Um, she's also powerless against family law set up by men in her own religious tradition and by the British. Uh, much of the wind, the widows, damn, almost did it. The widows of Malabar Hill <laughs> deals with women facing discrimination in local law, both Praveen herself as she struggles to remove herself from a disastrous marriage and her clients, the three polygamous widows of a wealthy mill owner. So there's a little tease of what the story is about. Yes. There's for a, all of you at home, but yeah, based on a real person. There's a note at the end of the book that also credits uh, Mitan Tatalam of Bombay, who was who also read law at Oxford and was the first woman admitted to the Bombay bar uh, in 1923. So like followed in the footsteps of Sarabji, I believe, though they yeah. were like a few years contemporaneous. What did so. she order to, to drink when they let her into the bar? Why the long face? <laughs> <laughs> What's I'm just, I'm just, this is me. You seemed a little down when we started the podcast. And so no, I'm, bringing I, you, I'm bringing you up with some really funny, funny stuff. I appreciate jokes. it. You're really mm-hmm. kicking it into gear here mm-hmm. to get us started. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else about Massey or about the book that you wanted to talk about before we take a quick break or not? Or you're making guess, maybe just, face. I want to know what you, we've done some historical fiction recently. We've done historical fiction in the past. What do you like about historical fiction? What what it does, what it doesn't do. <laughs> I you listen, this this might surprise you, but I like that it's fiction set against the backdrop of history because Are you reading a Wikipedia history? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because the historical setting gives me some context and some like background, either mm. either in a period that I already know something about or something I can go research about. And that gives me a deeper understanding of the story and the characters and the author can kind of lean on that existing real world thing as a sort of shorthand when like deciding to like, whether you're just using it as a background for a story that you're telling or you're relying on historical events to like drive certain plot beats, it, it gives you a, a, a scaffold to hang a book on that I feel like would be, advantageous most of the time yeah i would you can also and you can also the the period that you pick and the and the characters and events you choose to focus on you can then use to focus on current day events because Mm. of how history repeats itself or rhymes or whatever you want the adage to be yeah did you prepare that essay it's pretty good i didn't tell you ahead of time i was going to ask you that question no i just like it i feel like most of the historical fiction i've read has either been in europe or like down old south america way yeah yeah, I don't think I've read much that's been set in India or um, any of the Asian countries, really. Yeah, this is so, yeah. It was yeah. interesting just getting into this one, and I think you're totally right. Like, she's not responding, um, Massey, to like a specific historical event in this book. It's not like set around like a momentous uh, occasion or or something like that. But it is very clearly set in a period of transition a lot of that like depending where you are in the world the late 19th century or the early 20th century there's a lot of like changing mores and 
you know, we're a generation after industrialization for a lot of places and a couple of wars, couple of big kicking wars. in the gear that you might have heard of. There's a lot of movement for like women's suffrage and um so it's just like this book is positioned in the late 1910s and early 1920s and it's still pre like India is still under British rule but you get an interesting picture of what that does and doesn't look like in this book because there's all sorts of other uh like systems in place that people are living under that are sort of like agnostic to the fact that the British are there sure um and that is something that I think is like a way into this book if you are not someone who loves mysteries you're gonna get into or mysteries or mysteries you're gonna get into it through the like oh i can uh learn about this period of time i can and as you said andrew like kind of compare some of the hierarchies or or some of the obstacles characters are facing to things that are happening in the present day let's say okay um so let's take a break and then i'll like you know Reveal the mystery. That sounds great. I please don't do it like that. <laughs> please okay. don't use that voice to reveal the mystery <laughs> to me. Thank you. <laughs> Craig. Andrew. If you are anything like me, you have a lot of trouble calling and talking to people on the phone. I, 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 um... Yeah, let's say that I do. I bet a bunch of listeners. Do. I bet a bunch of listeners understand this specific vein of anxiety that I <laughs> that I suffer from, uh, and that goes double when you're trying to find a new doctor or healthcare provider. That's why we are happy to tell you about Zocdoc, which is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Uh, ZocDoc lets you read up on local doctors. You get verified patient reviews and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. Uh, So when you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you, who really gets you. I want them to get me. (laughs) Uh, Go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit. And just like that, Craig, you're booked. Whoa. Find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. Uh, I have used ZocDoc to schedule dentist appointments and eye exams, among other things. And I appreciate being to, being able to pick an appointment time right from the site and uh, to be able to fill out a lot of the paperwork before I even set foot That's in the waiting huge. room. That's huge. I really... Pretty, cause nobody likes sitting there at that little clipboard. I don't Digging like through their wallet energy. to find their insurance card. No, Did I, no Do I have to fill all of it out? What part of this is for office use only? Mm-hmm. I don't am understand I take, all the questions. Am I going to take this pen home with me? It was easier when I was a child and an adult would do it. I don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Help me. Go to ZocDoc.com slash overdue and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash overdue. ZocDoc.com slash overdue. Andrew, it's 1921. No, it's not. It's 2022. You're off by 101 years. In the book that I read. Oh, dang. All right. You got me again. Caught you. It's a mystery. (laughs) Tell Uh, me about this 101-year-old mystery, please. Yeah, okay. So, Praveen Mystery uh, is one of the first and only female lawyers in India. She can't practice in a courtroom, but she is a solicitor. Uh, She got her education at Oxford and works as her father's, like, number two 
And the rest of the mystery family uh, is in like construction. I think they run like a construction business. They do it's a like lot. really construction or like like waste management. No, it's construction. Really, it's really construction. <laughs> okay, good. I think there's some, as I recall, uh, there was like in the previous generation, like Praveen's father's brothers, like went off and did the construction business, um, and her father identified a need for there to be like a lawyer who could handle a lot of the family uh, like businesses law stuff. And then he kind of like built a career around that. And then Praveen's brother was supposed to maybe enter law. And then he decided to go into construction instead. So she has kind of, she's been close with her dad her whole life and is interested in going to school and, so when we meet her, well, actually, when we get a flashback to her in 1916, um, she is like going to college, attending special sessions to maybe become a lawyer someday. Um, but in 1921, she is a lawyer. So there's this, there is this weird little internal thing that the book does by jumping between these timelines, where like you know she becomes a solicitor, uh-huh. <laughs> but in the past it keeps getting put off that she actually goes to law school. And so like, I was reading most of the book going like, but how did she get her degree? <laughs> like, I just want to know. It's not that I don't believe that she could, but like circumstances conspire to prevent her from becoming a lawyer. And yet I know that she is an ace attorney. And this book this... does have big ace attorney <laughs> energy, actually. <laughs> Good. I hope there's a lot of finger pointing. Um, um, so that, that jumping around in time, Brings me to some three star Goodreads reviews. Wow, breaking them out early. Let's do it. That I found. Um, there just are just laying around. <laughs> just I, I found them in, in the couch cushions as I was packing up. <laughs> and so I've got a couple, a few sort of converge on this theme of like the structure and the flashbacks. And yeah, whatever. sure. Uh, this is from Carl with a K. Whoa. My primary problem with the novel lies in its structure. The novel is billed as a mystery of 1920s Bombay, but it starts very slowly. It takes Massey 120 pages to lead up to the murder. When the body is discovered, Massey takes us into 70 further pages of backstory to explain her protagonist's troubled past. This section is far too long, an interruption in the flow of the story as a mystery to have kept my interest. A murder is supposed to generate suspense, and asking readers to wait 190 pages for the investigation of the murder even to begin is asking too much. Uh, this is from Carol in a similar vein. Uh, I struggled with this book, and it came perilously close to a DNF, which is Whoa. a uh, do not finish. We don't talk about DNF on this pod very much, <laughs> but there are a lot of people it's DNFing serious. out there. It's serious business. Only my interest in the character of Praveen, yeah. uh, lawyer slash female gumshoe slash fighter for women's rights, enabled me to pick up this book again. This book had a major stylistic fault. I hate flashbacks at the best of times, and the flashbacks in this novel overwhelm the mystery, and the mystery is what I signed up for. Ms. Mazzy may have done this because the whodunit part of this novel is very slight, just not enough meat to sustain a whole book. So two critiques there. One, the mystery is light. Two, a lot of flashbacks. Yeah. What say you to those, and do they help you start the conversation Sure. <laughs> yeah, let's lay out the two timelines. So the present-day timeline is Praveen is working for her dad. Uh, she can't ever 
go to court. She does a lot of like lit will and contract work, but she it's can all the invest the investigation portions of the Ace Attorney series. I yes, guess. she can do that. She can do witness prep. She's just kind of um, like looking for fingerprints on like <laughs> hidden knives. And it stuff. is a- actually she doesn't. This is like seems like one of the first cases where there's a murder. <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. not. She does not normally representing. Uh, people in criminal trials she's doing a lot of uh like paperwork but she's clearly someone who understands nuance one of the cases we do learn is that she helped a dock worker a stevedore uh i love that word i love that word um she gets him his job reinstated he was organizing at his workplace andrew and he Uh was fired for it and she prepped (laughs) him i I assume his boss has put out a big letter about how they support unions just not just not here just not here yeah it's just gonna get in the way and make things worse historical fiction reflects our current reality um she prepped him to actually just go on the stand and be like, listen, I'm just a really dutiful worker who cares about worker safety. And like it convinced the jury and he was fine. Um, he comes back and like saves her later in the book. It's very nice. But so she is someone who understands how to like represent things to a jury, how to interpret something to make the argument that you need. She's perceptive about how, and she gets this from her father about how like, different aspects of law can be used to certain ends and and not in a uh not in a way that is meant to be underhanded but just like you have to use the tools at your disposal yeah you just you understand how the system works and what to what to push on and and what not to push on to, yes. to get the results you want and it sets up this thing where in the 1921 for lack of a better term present day or the present action of the book plot line a strange case has cropped up the widows of malabar hill um, who are three women whose husband has recently died. The mystery law office was, uh, they were his legal counsel, and he has passed away. He's left three widows behind of varying ages, a few daughters, one very young son among them. Um, and they have signed these documents that will effectively give away their inheritance to a charity that is like bound to a certain purpose. Um, and Do you know what the purpose is, or are you it's supposed to be a school? About it for, it's, okay. uh, the way that it's designated in the book, these things are called wakfs. And once you say that they go to one thing, like they're very hard to legally change what they sure. go to. That makes sense. Um, and there is this guy, Mr. Mukri, who is the like agent of the house who is now running things after his employer has passed away. And he submitted these new documents where these three widows said, Hey, you know, just take all our money and put it into a school for some reason. Sounds great. And Praveen's like, yo, didn't that third widow sign her name with an X seven months ago? You telling me that she signed her full name to this new document? Uh Uh-huh. Also, that other signature doesn't look right. Also, why would they do this? Mm-hmm. And her dad says, well, you know, it's interesting. I've never met these women because they follow uh, strict Muslim practice. That means they live in seclusion, which is even more strict when they are in mourning. So literally no man can go talk to them. And this seems like. Maybe it's a little weird, but uh But then but then Praveen Mystery, I assume, pulls off her helmet and says, I am no man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she is like, Well, listen, Dad, I'm the only <laughs> female solicitor in India. I can go talk to them. 
Uh, and after a little cajoling, it is she, she does like get that permission from him to go pursue this this case. Sure. Um, and so that is a recurring thing in the book, in the mystery part where she is kind of using her unique status as um, a woman who has to kind of operate outside of conventional systems because men won't usually listen to her, but she is working on this case where where men can't go. Like, there's a... After the murder happens, the cops want to get the fingerprints of the women, and they, like, that would be bad. They can't mm-hmm. go in there and, like, physically touch them. It's not allowed. Yeah. Um. So it's stuff like that where Praveen can put herself into situations that other people can't. Yeah, that, um, that's an interesting way to frame the limitations that society would put on her is like yeah. making them into opportunities and, and solving a specific kind of, of mystery to like it's, comment upon those aspects of the society. The strength of that is what gets me through the fact that the mystery is kind of light. Like I don't I don't disagree with the assessment that the mystery is light. Because it sounds like the mystery is like, yeah, the, there is, yeah, it's sketchy. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah, someone is like either lying to or like coercing these women into doing something. It's not, yeah. like, ooh, the- mystery. <laughs> Yeah, and like what happens is, and it, I was struck I, I, by the fact that it, the murder doesn't happen until a pretty long ways into the book, mm-hmm. um, and it's not a long book, but you're so, which is even more like you're like, wow, the murder happened here. Well, um, yeah, especially given that she had introduced, she'd already written a whole short story to sort of introduce this yes. character that she's doing so much additional introduction. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I guess if your previous run of work is an 11 book series you're like okay i got a lot of foundation to lie and then i never have to do this again yeah and now then she's starting all over yeah sure the other but, uh, the other she does do this interesting thing where um like the first little like dramatic beat in the book is actually like there's a guy outside the law office that she doesn't recognize and like okay. she tries to get his attention and he runs away and you never hear about this guy for like 250 pages but like you get <laughs> In the little dozen pages or so where she's trying to track him down, you get introduced to other characters that she works with. You get introduced to the sweet shop across the street. You get introduced to how people perceive her ability to move through Bombay. Like, it's a neat little dramatic moment that teaches you about her character and teaches you about how the world perceives her. Unfortunately, it's not relevant to the main plot of the book. And there's like a throwaway explanation for what it was towards the end, but okay. I'm not gonna hold that against the book. I had a good time. Um, the backstory that then unfolds, as I alluded to, and as you mentioned, is this stuff that starts in 1916 with her uh, going to school at Elphinstone College in Bombay, where she is not technically a student, but they're letting her like audit law classes mm-hmm. and. It is mostly there to set up this terrible marriage that she was in to this guy named Cyrus Sotawala. Okay. Because she thinks she saw Cyrus back in town, and it provoked a very, like, trauma response. That guy's bad. I don't know what I would do if he was back in town. And so then the book is like, well, let me start that story for you so that you know. Um that's I 
I found her backstory a compelling short story in and of its it's there are two novels here. They're both shorter than the novel that I read <laughs> and they're both interesting. I but they I, I don't I don't even want to say they sound like they're at cross purposes. It's just like No, they're they not. Don't, they don't and it's not it's also not that they don't have anything to do with each other. It's just that they are two separate things. They're that exist inside this one fictional work. A little bit because they're I almost think maybe they should have cut back and forth. I don't know. It's very early in the podcast for me to start like backseat writing this book and I feel bad about that cuz it's war- it's won awards and it's, it's pretty fine. good. No, it's but, it's yeah, I'll, I'll um, let you I'll let you wax poetic about how much you like it. And please. listen, listen, listen. If this is if this ends up being a short one, TM, whoa. That's fine. While we're recording, we said the phrase short one. Yeah, um, it could be a short one. The, the, whoa, go oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, my, <laughs> it's my not going to be a short one if you don't get back on the track. My experience reading the book, oh, and this is what I said to Laura, actually. I was like, I would read one of the passages, because some of the like times span multiple chapters, right? Mm-hmm. And I would get to the end of like a, a passage of 1916 or 1917, and then it would toss me back to 1921, and I'd kind of have forgotten what was happening in 1921. Because I was engrossed in the past, and because it had gone on just long enough that my brain had tricked me into thinking I was reading a book only about that time period. Yeah, or that you had like gotten past whatever the yeah the other chunk of the story was and now this was the story and it happens but it cuts both ways where it's like oh and then i'm following the mystery for a while and i'm into the mystery and it's going on and she's solving stuff and uh she's talk she's like tricking the police into releasing a guy who definitely didn't do it which is kind of cool because she's got this whole vein of like she recognizes that powerful people she recognizes that cops need to clear murders and she's like she need she knows that they're just gonna find someone to pin this on and she it's doesn't want baltimore that to happen of, of her yeah. it is very baltimore of her this lady has watched the wire i'll tell you what Praveen Well, she has. also lives in baltimore yeah <laughs> um she's lived in baltimore for three decades and uh and then i would be like oh yeah there's this whole other plot line going on in the past um and there's an interplay between the two. Like one of the reasons that she is so sympathetic to these widows and to their the plight of their seclusion and their distance from their husband and the other men in their lives is she marries this guy Cyrus. He's so hot. He's <laughs> his family is into bottling soda and liquor, and he's kind of old. He's like 28. And he doesn't have a bride yet, and his family have like brought him from Calcutta to Bombay to maybe find someone to marry. And on the day that all the jerk boys, the jerky boys at the college, put like <laughs> pee and molasses on her chair so that she got embarrassed and you know couldn't take a test or whatever, and she decides to drop out of school, she meets Hot Cyrus, and they kind of fall in love, or so they think. And so in a world of like a lot of arranged marriages and things like that, they end up having to each approach their parents and be like, we want to get hitched. I think at that point in this in 1916 or 17, she's supposed to be 19 or 20. um, They are both considered old to be older to be going through this process, um, which means like maybe their options are limited or or something like that. Mm -hmm. And 
her marriage to him sucks. He sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. His family suffered this tragedy where his sister died because of cholera, but it wasn't cholera. And his mom is like way stricter about their Zoroastrian uh, Parsi religion such that if someone is on their period, they have to spend eight days in this tiny crappy room and they're not allowed to properly bathe with real water. They have to use some sort of uh, like other concoction that involves cow pee and... They are sounds, the same. Sounds great. They are the same religion as Praveen's family, but are more traditional. And uh, Praveen is like trying to make it work, but then is like, "You're gonna lock me in a room for eight days. This is awful." Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, what happens is <laughs> she and Cyrus have a terrible time. She writes her mother about it. Her mom's like, oh, yeah, never told you because I didn't want you to hate your grandparents. But your your dad's parents did this to me until I had you and we moved. Um, it will hopefully it'll get better. Like her mom doesn't know what to say to her and she can't conceive. Uh, Praveen can't. And it turns out that uh, her and Cyrus both have gonorrhea because uh, he's a mess. Uh-huh. And then while she's in seclusion and they're growing distant, he is of course hiring uh, people to have sex with him. And she comes upon him doing that and he uh, gets violent. And so she leaves him. Uh And so all of that stuff culminates in a big court case where her dad helps save her, even though it embarrasses everyone and kind of teaches her about how to bend some of the, like she can't get a, a full divorce because of reasons. Embarrasses everyone, meaning like her and her yeah. family, and has to him like air her dirty yeah. laundry. Has to air the entire backstory of what happened to Cyrus's sister, sure, and okay. that the this big family in Calcutta, um, and that whole part of her life is awful, and it results in her going off to England and getting her her education in England. Um, I went on that whole summary of the entire half of the book because that is like what sets her up to be incredibly empathetic and like it isn't just a women's rights thing when she's helping these widows she's yeah like, it's like th- this time it's personal yeah <laughs> Jeez. The, f- the, the first time and <laughs> i think massey does a good job of not reducing praveen to either it's just my principles or this time it's personal. It's it's a good mix of both, I think. I, I like Praveen as a character a lot. Um, and so the thing with the widows is that Mukri gets murdered and you're not sure if one of the widows did it, if one of the widow's daughters did it, or if someone from outside who is maybe involved in the family business did it. Uh, because with him dead, who knows what could happen to any of the inheritance and stuff like that. Um, and Praveen has to like navigate all of these different systems. She brings in her cool friend Alice, who's her English friend from school, whose dad is the second in command of the town. It's wild. I believe that I read that Alice factored into the short story that established 
Ah, uh, Praveen, sure. Praveen's character. I yeah. believe the, the, the short story is about Praveen's time in college where she would have met Alice. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and Alice is under some interesting pressures that I do think I don't think the book needs to spend more time with one of the white characters. <laughs> but I do think one of the reasons that Alice is now in Bombay is that she was uh discovered like she was found at a bar in England that is frequented by uh, gay and queer folk. Okay. And she was put in a sanatorium and her parents want to keep close watch on her to keep her safe for whatever. Safe think. from exactly. being, from being gay. <laughs> yeah, probably is what they think. Cool. Um, or at least have them with her if she's not going to be married. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that is like an interesting character note at the beginning of the book, but Alice kind of gets sidelined. Maybe if people are kind of frustrated by the flashback stuff, it's because Alice seems to really figure heavily into the beginning of the book, and then she's not part of the flashbacks at all. And so you miss this like female friendship thing that could be a core of the book um, with like two really interesting characters. And it actually results in a scene where Alice calls... (laughs) Praveen and is like, are you just too busy for me? Like, I moved <laughs> to India when I didn't want to, but at least I knew you would be here. And Praveen, like, does finally involve her in the mystery, but it is kind of like I expected Alice to be a bigger part of the book than she was based on how she was treated at the beginning. I mean, I guess I appreciate a 1920s book where people can be like, hey, I feel this way right now. Let's talk about the way that i feel yeah (laughs) that's true let's let's not just let it fester and then you know 50 years after i'm dead someone will find my letters about how i secretly (laughs) felt about this situation yeah something that the that gets a little disrupted by the time jumps is that the present day the 1921 stuff is happening over the course of like three or four days yeah like it's a really good propulsive bang, 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 this stuff's happening. At one point, like, somebody throws a bag over her head and takes her down to the docks and shoves her in, a like, a lockbox or something, and you're like, whoa, and lock then it's box. over because we got to move on to the next lockbox. We got to <laughs> move on to the next thing. Um, it's a fun book. A lot of stuff happens. Uh, the But I think, overall, the one of the best things that the book does is, like, it uses the murder mystery and it uses... Um, Praveen's relationship with Cyrus and and her relationship to her in-laws to explore a lot of uh, Indian society at this time. And, you know, you can draw connections to what it might be now or, you know, all sorts of things now. But, like, the differences between Hindu folks, Muslim folks, Parsi folks in this book, uh, the fact that the British are there and there are white people, like, walking around, like, even just the different hierarchy within the cops or within the colleges and overall the gender politics of the book like none of i didn't find any of that too heavy-handed though i did find it very earnestly included okay if that's can you explain to me the the distinction there okay so when alice uh, just i have like a few examples there for that i think i think if this makes sense like when alice shows up and Praveen's like, well, why did you come to Bombay? Like, why are you here? I thought you were happy in England. 
Um, and her, she's like, my parents wanted me here because they didn't approve of my London activities. And Praveen's like, the communist meetings or the marches for women's suffrage? And you're like, <laughs> on one, I, I read that sentence the first time and I was like, that's a little on the nose. And, I, and then I read it again. I was like, maybe Praveen is teasing her. It's that kind of stuff where I feel a little winky, naughty from the author in the 21st century, perhaps. Okay. Um, like maybe Alice is the kind of person who packs her Robert Mueller votive candles. <laughs> no, with just, her when she. Can. I just feel like an extra her, her notorious RBG T-shirt flying to India. I'm a little aware that I'm reading a book that was published now about then in those moments. Sure, where people would. People are very aware of the the things that everyone will remember about this time period. Yeah. Th- yes. <laughs> well, and, and that's a hard thing for me to think about as a man living now where I'm like, there were probably people who this was like, if you're having a political conversation, that's how it's going to go. It's just mm-hmm. reading it now. It does kind of like ring a little odd uh, at times. But then there's also a bit. OK, the end of the book after things have been wrapped up. Um, the widow's mystery has been solved. I don't want to say mm-hmm. what happens to the widows because I do think that that mystery actually is interesting. Um, Even I, interesting, if not complex, sure, right? Yeah, I the the reveal it does have some villain monologuing. And Ooh. even though it's even though the character is not a villain, and I do think another cool thing about this book is that because it is so earnest and caring about its main characters like it isn't a raymond chandler-esque like capitalism is the root of this person's evil kind of thing like it's a person who is trying to live in a society i was gonna ask you about like about the villain because it's not the it's i mean except in so far as the patriarchy exists it can't be the dead husband of these women no so I did want to know who the villain was, but if you can't if you can't tell me about that without ruining the mystery, then that's that's just is what it is. Yeah, I will tell you that I did not suspect this person. Ooh, um, but not because they had led me in a different direction. They were kind of backgrounded a bit, um, and maybe if you're a big mystery buff, you you might come away being like, well, I didn't get enough time to think about who it might be because i was following the cyrus like uh in the past stuff and that that's a valid criticism i think mm-hmm. um but th- it does kind of when when she has solved it and she is like in the secret crawl space of the house uh saving another girl who's gone missing and the and the person who committed the murder shows up we do spend a few pages confirming all the reasons why everything happened um in a way that is not dissimilar from a lot of like kind of straightforward mystery novels but um but oh the earnest thing at the end um it ends with alice and praveen like at a hotel uh and this guy won't serve single ladies drinks it's like a hotel policy none of the single ladies none of the single ladies are allowed to have a drink and she calls the manager over and she's like, listen, I heard this place was like founded with this idea of equal hospitality. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, that's kind of weird that you would then also like only serve men drinks and not women. Uh, and the manager kind of sputters and then like gets them their their drinks. 
and Alice and Praveen just toast, quote, to the power of women. And I, like, I think they're being cheeky. <laughs> like, I think they're having a good time with that moment. But it does, it is just kind of funny. And I, I sure. hope it's intended to be funny because it did make me chuckle. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was just it, like... There, there's something about, there's something of the, like charlie's angels finger guns it, pose yes, to that, that does, to that yeah, interaction it some charlie's angels energy to it <laughs> and i and again like i don't know how anybody else will respond to it my first reaction was really and then my second reaction was <laughs> yeah um so i think there's there's what this book wears on its sleeve um in terms of perveen and and her energy uh could might feel like a little much or or maybe it doesn't belong with the mystery but i think well it, i think if if you're if you're thinking about it in like a written in 2017 2018 sort of yeah, way yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there is there is maybe a for sure like an, an element of that like nevertheless she persisted thing that that would have seemed more earnest to the author at the time than it seems now when that sort of thing has been like thoroughly commoditized and and it feels earned in the book and it doesn't feel trite in the book yeah sure that's 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 all i mean i i don't mean to like downplay the power of any of this this no, imagery no. or any of these phrases for anybody who who feels that in them but i i feel like they've they've become cringy in a in a way here in 2022 that they might not have been a few years ago which are not which is not the fault of where they came from no no no, no. it's purely a fault of of the way that some public figures have like wielded that that sort of sentiment and and to that end i think to tie this thing up the what you said earlier about like historical fiction reflecting current times. Like I mean, that super smart off the dome thing that I said that you were really surprised that I just came up with. Yeah. I've brought it up like three times. (laughs) Um, the, it was a good question that I asked. I'll tell you what, uh, that's that thing about the, the quality of the question determining the quality of the answer. It's that thing. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, That's just science, baby. (laughs) Uh, the, if the book the book ending with this like note of female friendship of uh Praveen knowing how to navigate systems that are dominated by men um and them kind of toasting to that in celebration like that feels like you're going to read this now and be like yes I would like to also experience that or this is a thing that people were experiencing 100 years ago if you're experiencing it now you're part of the same thing like yeah, sure. that feels important or potentially affecting to someone um but also like I just had a good time learning about this era of history and these communities and the types of challenges that these women faced like I found the stuff with Praveen and her mother-in-law like really like affecting and how rough it was and how tense it was for her um and in like not a thing I knew about so like that's the other cool thing that historical fiction can do when it's working well so um yeah that's that's the book Cyrus sucks um <laughs> Praveen's dad is cool 
I like I like Praveen's parents a lot. They love her, and I was sort of expecting this book to have a lot more tension between her and her parents, and that never happened. And I really loved that. Even uh, even if just tension of of like reservedness. They work through that whenever it does happen. Okay, sure. and I and I do love to see that um, okay. because it is there are there are rough parents in this book, and it doesn't have to. You can explore those relationships without it always having to be an obstacle for the protagonist specifically. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's this book, Andrew. The windows Craig. of Malamar Phil. <laughs> what about him? They're delicious. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> you ever... Oh, well, no, wait. The windows aren't delicious. The Malamars are delicious. I, I honestly... I couldn't tell you... Gun in my head couldn't tell you what a Malamar is. Does it have marshmallow in it? Yeah, it does. Okay. That, okay, good. I'm glad I know that much, at least. They're tasty. Is that what the mallow part is? Yeah. All right. The, the mar part is more for me. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to our podcast. Uh, you can send us an email about Malamars to overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at overduepod. Uh, thanks to AA, Nora, Emily, Will, Lizzie, Jennifer, Monica, Darwin, Kate, and many more for reaching out to us this past week. Um, our theme song is by Nick Larangis. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? OverduePodcast.com is our internet website up there. We have links to Apple Podcasts and other ways you can use to subscribe to the show including our RSS feed. Uh, you also have links to the social feeds that Craig just mentioned, our Patreon project, patreon.com slash pod, and the books that we have read and are going to read. Uh, sometime this week on the feed, I believe we'll be releasing our February bonus episode that we recorded uh, two nights ago. Yeah. It doesn't really matter to you when we recorded it. It's just the time has become slippery <laughs> to mm-hmm. me. Uh Choose your own adventure book called War with the Mutant Spider Ants. Uh, spoiler alert, we do get housed several times by mutant <laughs> spider ants. Uh, and then, Craig, you wanted to tell people about our March schedule. I did. It's March Madness. Next week, we will be reading The Indispensable Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, my autocorrect named him Bill Patterson, and I still really got freaked out it's bill water it's not by bill patterson uh then we're going to talk about as i lay dying by william faulkner i believe our first william faulkner i'm excited uh after that secret lives of church ladies by disha filia that is going to have um glory edam from well-read black girl on it very excited for that we we recorded recorded that a a couple weeks ago and it was was very fun it was a good episode Uh, so really be sure to tune into that one. And then at the end of the month, we're doing uh, The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. We are reuniting with the folks from the Heaving Bosoms podcast. Get ready for a steamy STEM novel. We haven't recorded that one yet, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Yes. Uh, and then on the main feed, the bonus episode will be the last of our Don Quixote miniseries. And hopefully by the time that posts, we will have shared our idea for the next miniseries. I think you'll enjoy it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't say I can't say anything about the next miniseries without giving away what it is. But we think we think you'll like it. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Hey, Craig, look, it was a short one. Whoa. Whoa, it was a short one. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And again, until we talk to you next time, try to be happy.
That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>